0: Hello, everyone. On this episode of Film Shapes, we're going to talk about new Bowie doco Moon Age Daydream. And joining Rolly and I for this chat is Perth Music Journal Supreme, Bob Gordon. Hello, Bob.
1: Hi, fellas. How you doing? Hey, Bob. Hey, Rolly. Thanks for having me.
0: And hi, Rolly. Sorry. Hi. Oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks. Yeah. So um, now this has been around for uh, about three or four weeks in cinemas in Perth. Um, we saw it a while ago, Rolly. Um what what did you guys think of this doco? Bob, can we go to you first?
1: Yeah, well, I, I'd read so much about it um, and it was almost um, – although I didn't read reviews about it, but I, I was long on um, a couple of Bowie pages on Facebook and saw the mm. posts and, and could see that it was actually splitting people or, or there was very much naysayers and just praise givers about it and um but i more like read the comments rather than reading reviews because i just because because i you know that was all like a very much a sensory uh mm. overload and and just open yourself up to it and so uh, i went in there with that I, I saw it at luna on essex and and so it wasn't in one of the big uh screen uh type experiences but you know you're very close and it's um you know very Sort of in your face kind of thing, and um, I, I just you know went in with like a an open mind. I was aware that it wasn't very linear, and almost at the Thrice documentary um, was maybe not always appropriate. That it would seem to it sounded like it was going to be more of an experience, mm-hmm. and so I sort of readied myself for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and having having said that, I, I it was just you know. It's sort of like the rocky horror thing where you know Frank Conferta says, Give yourself over to absolute pleasure. Um, it, it, it was just, I just sort of went in there with the feeling, and, and my girlfriend also, just sort of like, Yeah, it was just sort of like, just let it happen to me. Like, I, I did a lot of um, uh, film reviews over the years as well mm. as music writing, but I've not really done movie reviews for quite a long time, and so. I um, I was quite happy to go in without the critical eye, or knowing that I had to would have to come up with five hundred words that made sense after this. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I should have remembered that uh, I needed that because we oh, we're
0: talking about it right yeah. now.
1: But I, um, you know, I, I think where the criticisms come in because it doesn't sort of tell the story, it evokes the his life experience sort of thing. And it depends what people want and, you know, what their expectations are, what they um, feel they yeah. Some people feel that they're owed. Because after that, I've since gone back, and read a lot of reviews and I've read a lot of comments online about it. And it's sort of like, well, A, it doesn't tell the story. There's not enough this, there's not enough that. Yeah. It's all just this stuff happening. and um, uh, And B from full-on Bowie files saying, I've seen all this footage before. Um, and, and that, but that's people who are aficionados and and seek that stuff out and they'll be able to tell you, look at footage and tell you what city and date it came from off the top of the head. That's not necessarily who it's made for. Yeah. There was,
2: to be fair, I think there was a fair bit of new footage in this film. Like that was part of the selling point of the film wasn't it the the fact that the director had been given access to by the family of yeah. all, all the the archives of you know never before released footage it wasn't I'm sort of one of those people that there wasn't quite enough of that for me like there was a little bit too much of the footage I've seen before and yeah
0: I've got other complaints yeah. around it but yeah I, I was going to put my hand up and say yes that's that's me I'm guilty of that Bob yeah yeah,
1: yeah. um did it take away the experience for you because what uh, what you're also being shown is this undeniable iconography that um you know i mean you could be probably be in a village in vietnam or indonesia somewhere and have a ziggy stardust t-shirt on and people will know what what it is yeah and and that's just so recognizable and that and the story can't be evoked Without showing that, and all that Hammersmith Odeon footage and everything like that, with the yeah. the girls who were and boys who were beside themselves and got you know some of the gl- got glitter on their faces and things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that, that is such a part of of the whole thing. And, uh, but also, uh, the, the, I'd watched footage from th- th- those sorts of shows before, but this seemed much more intimate. Like it uh, felt in the crowd much more. You no. Know, if, if if it was slightly different, but that's just um, not being like a completist. Um, maybe um, I didn't realise I was watching the exact footage.
2: Yeah, I suppose the the question I asked and eventually was asking about this film is like why why is it sort of being made? Because in a way, it's it's not like you said it's not necessarily telling a historical story. Certainly not a linear one. But at the same time, it's kind of a It felt like an ad for Bowie again, uh, you know, an ad for the iconography that we're, we're all so familiar with. And it was just kind of reaffirm, you know, it was a reaffirmation rather than bringing anything new to light. And while I don't feel like I'm owed anything by the director or the family or anything like that, like I do feel like there was an opportunity that was maybe
0: missed to... To go a little bit deeper, no shady. You no, know, no, I, I, I'm, I'm half with you there. I, I kind of, was a little bit disappointed that because I like Bowie, but probably like Bob, I'm not. I'm a mid level fan, I guess. Um, I, I think I needed something more. Uh, this director, Brett Morgan, yeah, he got he got um permission from the estate, so he mm. he's got everything to choose from, and I just think he chose a bit oddly. I think he. He probably didn't have as much discipline as he needed, I think. But anyway, but that's me. But that's me seeing it from a a film perspective rather than a a record of a sensory, you know, experience of of Bowie. I think. So. The other
2: thing is we were in the we were lucky to be in the premiere, weren't we? Yes, in yeah, Perth, Perth. Yeah. Although they didn't provide any popcorn, <laughs> which was a bit of a disappointment. No, that one had popcorn, but- didn't it? No. I don't think oh, so. Maybe not. Okay. No, but um, but there, yeah, there were a few people walking out like half an hour before the film finished, and I could I could understand why if you're not a Bowie fan, there would be of little interest, right?
1: That's interesting. Um, there was it was a much smaller screen when we saw it, um, and there were about three people walked out, but they were oh no no two they were together.
0: I don't know. I, I look. I, I think that this it, it, this could have been great. Given a different director, that's what I got down to. Mm. I I don't know. This guy's done docos before. I think he um, he's done Kurt Cobain doco and a Stones doco, so he's got some experience with music docs.
2: Imagine the pressure, though, if you're a fan and you've been given permission by the family. Like you're not going to want to open up any kind of potential. You know, you're not going to want to talk about those underage groupies in the seventies or anything like that, are you? You're going to take another.
0: Well, that, that's the thing. He's, he's chosen what he can and can't. Yeah. Sorry, go on, Bob.
1: Yeah, one of the turns to take in it would be go personal. And I think the thing about David Bowie um, was that it wasn't personal. It was always some kind of alien. Mm. And um, e- even though there were glimpses of his um, and stories and rumours and probably <laughs> – many facts shared about his um, appetite and his proclivities and <laughs> uh he himself was you know you know when, when he was with iman it the most public I guess oh, he was quite public with angie I suppose but um when he married Iman that was a different era of media and coverage and also he had by that time become more of a mainstream um, post less dance and and stuff like that as far as the, the director brett morgan i know that he um he also did that one the kid stays in the picture
0: yeah that's great that's a good docker yeah but he met
1: david bowie in 2007 to talk about a project that wasn't this oh. um but that that didn't come to be I, I can imagine many people met with bowie to talk about quote-unquote projects that didn't you know didn't work out um but apparently I don't know if you've read this also but when he began the process in 2017 he had a full cardiac arrest oh. and um, when he was recovering in hospital he, he began the very first start a bit starting of gathering things for this in probably just the most kind of um, you know in a hospital bed with a laptop kind of gathering you know very passively but he um, I read that he was quite moved. By things that Bowie had said over the years about aging and death, and that it actually helped him uh, with his own predicament or his own uh, the road and that uh, you know when he uh, was strong enough is when you know I don't know two thousand and eighteen is when the hard work started on on this um, but so I mean, when you look at his other work, he's got his, his own. He's got his own way, and maybe that's why the the Bowie estate were um, open and 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 stuff because he presents stuff not in a linear sense, like a um, you know, like Channel Nine two months after Shane Warren's death, or in the process of a um. um biopic or mini series about him and you know how that that (laughs) (laughs) okay um you know the estate is a fair bit to protect and um and also um i believe duncan bowie said he he said he not duncan bowie um duncan jones
2: duncan jones mm, yeah
1: yeah had said that he uh endorsed it although he hadn't seen it because we know it's been made with love
2: yeah 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 See, I think this, some of that just sort of leads me to think more about the missed opportunity, though, Like, and even the things in what Bowie had to say about death and all the rest. The perspective of the film gave us what he had to say as a relatively young man, but there was what was missed out from the film completely, which I was a bit disappointed, was this period in the kind of early 2000s, mm. early sort of two, between 2000 and 2010. I think after the tin machine uh, thing which no, which I think might have been late eighties, which probably no one wanted to see okay. in there. I would have been fine to, you know, mm. see, see a bit of that as well. But um but yeah, he there was a period where, where uh you know he grew his hair long again and he got right into the internet and he was on he was he was kind of cyber bowie. <laughs> and he had a couple of, couple of albums there, there was one called Outsider and things, but he was obsessed with what the, the change that the internet was going to make to society and, and he'd be talking about it in interview after interview and,
0: well, and people th-
2: seemed th- kind of incredulous, like, well, oh, are you sure it's going to be like that, David? But there's
0: too, that's the thing, this guy's got too much content. You know, you've got but to make some cuts somewhere. But
2: that's what I wanted to see. I wanted to see how much can one person achieve in a lifetime in, ter- mm. in terms of you know, ca- their artistic expression. It would have been more powerful for me to see all the different stages, even if they were only, you know. That's like, I com- think it went back too much. That's
0: a completely different the same film stuff. though then, isn't it? You're cutting out all the sensory stuff and just just making it a, a record
2: Well, no, almost. It, I, I think it could have been done in the same way, in the same fashion, but just faster paced. But with include mm. more of the other stuff that they kind of left out. Yeah. There was twenty years of his life that basically disappeared. Yeah, okay. I,
0: I I kind of felt there was too much um excess editing. Did you know, so so many shots. Fast. It must have been thousands of, of mm. different shots of things that were probably important to Bowie, like um f- film clips or um uh, I just playing happy with my epilepsy. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But
2: yeah, like I just thought as well. It also like the spiritual, like the what he had to say about spirituality and things, sort of changed in that time later as well. And and how he looked back on his own role mm. as an icon, yeah. I I sort of cautiously would say that changed as well. And like that maybe he he did actually become more, you know, he he kind of shed those other
0: personas
2: mm. a lot and just became himself. Uh, much later well, I, th- but-
0: I think you got a bit of that a bit yeah you could tell that that, that had, that had it changed a bit. to yeah. happen yeah yeah
2: he
1: became in like the mid late 90s and into the 2000s like quite avuncular and and um, consistently charming and very funny mm. in interviews um, when you look at earlier but also though the uh, 70s were drug adult t- adult times yes. and um often with yeah. interviewers who were kind of like quite obviously kind of dead set against his appearance or, or whatever, so he was acting <laughs> at, off at their offence, but also clearly not really wanting to be charming, whereas, like, the 90s, uh, mid-90s up, he, uh, you know, is an incredibly intelligent man, obviously, and that with that yeah. came a sense of humour that was um, um, really kind uh, <laughs> something else. Um, the, the other thing, though, I mean, it... Um, I guess it was like a hymn to Bowie, really. That there's stuff where you know he's um it, it sort of makes out that like after Let's Dance, he he kind of felt blown out by that mainstream success and then retreated back into, you know, his own thing as a genius creator on creator on his own terms or whatever. But also his his popularity really dipped dim, um, and in a way that that happens to people even like him who've been around for decades and, and mm. um, it's not like people stop loving him, it's just that maybe the wider people, source of people stop liking him. Like there's a story, um, Michael Dwyer, uh, it's a long time music journalist, he, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. he went to in, I think it was when the Hours album came out, which I think was 2000. And he, in the days then, the big record companies like Sony and that, you know, they, they'd send music journalists, if they were from Rolling Stone or larger um, publications, you know, they'd send you to Los Angeles for a week. And, you mm-hmm. you know, you there'd be high-profile interviews each day to do, and, you know, a junket, basically. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember who he had actually gone over to see Um, But it wasn't in L.A., but he was maybe in New York, and the record record company said to him, look, we know it's not on the schedule, but would you mind flying to L.A.? Because David Bowie's got a new album out. Do you think you could interview him? It's David Bowie, (laughs) and they're asking (laughs) him out to go and speak to him. This is in 2000. And Michael Dwyer these days plays in the Thin White Which is a all Bowie ukulele tribute. (laughs) Like for for them expecting that he'd be put out is you know ridiculous. But um, but they said that his career was um, you know uh, it seems hard to believe. Um, And you know because then again there was an upsurge and then the the proof of many decades of, of great music and. Uh, artistic pursuits is there and you can't deny it but you know in the, there's we have the benefit of time now but also there was the benefit of time then in 2000 because he's been going since the 60s um that's so, you know so there was something there was a notion about him he's not quite what he was and he's following and the film didn't really explore that because it was a him To him.
0: Yeah.
2: Sorry, there is that other angle as well, where other artists of the time, like, I don't know, the White Stripes and definitely the Foo Fighters and people like that who, you know, he then became the elder statesman for, you know, while he wasn't as commercially successful in that period, he was still someone that was looked up Mm. to by all those other artists who would make, you know, any opportunity they could to, you know, perform with him or something like that. That was the more the impression I got then. But yeah, uh in terms of the dollars coming in for the record companies, he definitely wasn't where it was at at that point. Yeah.
1: Mm. And and it's interesting also in that, you know, he worked with a lot of iconic people, but you only ever saw the likes of Lou Reed or Mick Jagger in those kind of, you know, late-night club photos that you have seen before. They, they they had a few more that I don't think were as circulated. Um, so, like, mm. big big collaborators who, who were of the I, Icon status themselves, they were only represented in quick uh, shots of photos. Um, Whereas, Mm, yeah, that's right, um, because it was it's the Bowie universe that they're um, celebrating, and it was yeah, those Mm. things were not really touched on, like the the depth of the Bowie's Lou Reed relationship and the Iggy Pop relationship. And um, mm. and and
0: Freddie Mercury as well, yeah.
1: Mercury, yeah. Um, yeah. That uh, he and Elton John didn't get on. Um, you know, the yeah. Mick, the Mick Jagger thing was just you know two two young thin white men. You know, just who were like princes of their time in a day, um, and they didn't collaborate on a well, a released something that was released until you know dancing in the street which yeah. um, that I don't think – that was probably shown in a in maybe a flicker or, or passing.
0: Yeah, probably. It's horribly
1: malign, yeah. but look, it was just a bunch of fun anyway, you know?
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What do you think, Bob, that, as someone that, that's, you know, spoken to many artists and, and interviewed countless people over the years, what's the ultimate imprint that an artist like – bowie leaves us um compared to some of the other people you mentioned like even like even like queen or um lou reed or something like that like what has bowie what has bowie done that that maybe hasn't been done by anyone else that'll be remembered
1: in, in terms of thoughts and interviews there's things there like where um uh, maybe freddie mercury could be very humble in interviews like he wasn't humble on stage or were hmm. well aware of his Talent and everything, but in interviews he could he could be quite a bit shy. Mm.
0: Um,
1: from what I've seen, Lou Reed could be very insightful, or he could just be, you know, kind of an asshole, <laughs> kind of, and, and just say things that you know um, don't don't come across well. Um, you know, mm. years down the track, you know, they're, they're just all out rudeness. Um, and you know, and and Mick Jagger, um, you know, who is is still going, it would seem very strongly, um, physically and of the mind and 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 everything. Um, he's kind of um, I don't know, been a, a cherry picker of kind of um, amazing things that he, that he said. You know, um, I thought well, it was that kind of one about like, about being satisfied when you know satisfaction. Are you satisfied? And it's kind of like, um I oh, no, sexually, yes; sexually. financially, no; philosophically, <laughs> trying. But uh, but Bowie was sort of um, apart from you know the early interviews, but often that, that he was you know bristling at being judged by, you know, an interviewer or, or you know or maybe there's a there's a Dick Cabot interview that's shown, uh, on that on the on Mune's Daydream and he was like when it, like the main American interviewer. On television in the early early mid seventies and he went on and um he was very respected for like being um uh, a real listener and not casting know, casting judgment unless it was needed i think if someone was rude um and, and Bowie's a bit more kind of maybe guarded um but also he did say some sort of like beautiful things, or at least very thoughtful things, because um, he was confident enough to, um, to to say things that maybe meant something big, but also you couldn't quite necessarily say, well, what he means by that is, you know, they were, they were like his songs, they were sort of, you know, open to definition and um, and maybe in the mm-hmm. same way that he cut lyrics up you know and rearranged them that he he said that in 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 things also that sounded kind of amazing, but it's kind of like what what did he mean um but I think he he uh he was eminently listenable mm-hmm. as a, as a conversationalist and uh, just this this confidence that he could project that was you know. Um, maybe balanced the ego part of him, which must have been huge, but it, it's like he's, uh, he, he, ke- he kept it balanced.
2: Did you ever see the uh, collab he did with Ricky Gervais on the yeah, yeah, extras, yeah.
1: wasn't it, yeah, the, yeah, yeah.
2: where he plays the piano? <laughs> yes,
1: yes, I have. And I've actually sung that at, uh, at the Mindwalk Pavilion, the annual <laughs> Bowie event. <laughs> Oh great, um, great! Yeah, uh, I, I love that for little the fat
2: moment.
1: man. Little fat man, yeah. Yes. Oh, you, yes, Linda, That's I like Linda. <laughs> Um Yeah, maybe and, we
2: should get get Bob to sing that on the way out of the oh, podcast. There we go for us.
1: <laughs> and then, and uh, I've seen clips of Ricky Gervais um, saying in email exchanges to Bowie about what he was hoping for, and he, he apparently said, "I, oh, you know, something maybe in the in the vein of." Life on Mars and Barry's email response was, "Oh yeah, I'll just knock out life on Mars yellow." You know? And yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. He had a biting wit, uh, yeah. apparently. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, and there's one um interview on oh, is it Chris? Someone? It was in the BBC interview in 1995, and um, it was a guy. Oh, Chris, someone he ended up host, being one of the co-hosts. Chris
0: Chris Evans, maybe? Evans,
1: it's Chris Evans. And it was some show, and there was a live audience and stuff. And I believe that um, Bowie was apparently um, um, uh, terribly... Well, he wasn't Hanover. He, he was jet-lagged because he'd given up everything by then. But he was just in this ridiculous mood, okay. and he just... Um, went into this thing about how it was Indonesia and went in Indonesia was beckoned to the top of a hill by uh, some sort of swami or or deity figure, and that the, the deity's figure was <laughs> um, you know, just beautiful and alluring and everything. and then they they had a lovely feast. and then um um but then you know, he was overtaken by the worst case of diarrhea, <laughs> he'd oh, like, nice. this, this kind of top of the, head, um, kind of thing. And, um, and he goes, oh, uh, yeah, you know, it's just sorry. I did go off there, but that, uh, just, you know, just talking about that reminded me of the second last time I had diarrhea <laughs> and yeah. it's just sort of really bizarre and, um, and and a lot of people might not find it very funny, but it's just like his his mind is just yeah yeah. I'd, I'd suggest uh, uh, googling it because yeah. it's just, uh, really bizarre. I found it really funny. <laughs> I think, so- and some people maybe who want him to. Yeah. I think so- a serious Bowie. They don't want you know, yeah. they don't yeah. like that.
2: Some of those interviews give you the impression that he was just very comfortable with his fame at, at that point, and didn't mm. you know the, he didn't need, really need to worry about impressing anyone. By not having diarrhea or something, yes. you know, but he, yeah, I think that I've noticed that in a few of his, his later interviews and in that period where I was talking about before around the 2000s, he was, mm. he admitted to the interviewer sort of quite candidly and not, not in a way that was planned that he was a, he called himself a recovering alcoholic. Basically, he can't have a drink like, mm. a, you know, for him, you know, one drink equals, equals 10. So he stopped all that now. And, and, you know, he was, he was actually changing his life around quite a lot.
1: I think I read the same or a similar thing where he said because of that like one drink could mean pretty much destroying what the family he had created yeah, yeah that everything would would be destroyed because that was the nature of his uh uh personality and um and perhaps addiction uh, that everything would be ruined if he if he started on just one um
2: I'd never read anything about uh, Bowie being an alcoholic, or heard him yeah, yeah. mention that to another interviewer before, or something. It was mm-hmm. just something that seemed to come up in one interview, and and he just gave a straight answer. I think.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. In,
1: in twenty twelve, uh, that was the fortieth anniversary of Ziggy, Ziggy Stardust and Time Flies, mm. because Asti was the fiftieth. Yes. But I did an interview with Ken Scott, who co-produced. The Rise of Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders mm-hmm. from Mars for the 40th anniversary edition. And um so we talked a lot about the making of it and, and everything like that. And at the time of so this is 2012 and 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 David Bowie pretty much disappeared from the public eye. You know, it was still four years away from passing mm-hmm. away. But you did not hear hide nor hair of him. And I, I said sometimes, you know, you speculation comes up about his health and, and everything and uh, but no one really knows and I said, what do you think might be the case and he goes well, well David Bowie was always famous with it for uh, changing characters and roles and, uh, and, and who he was and what he did and he goes um, I think at this point he, he's just uh, immersed himself in the role of playing a father um, and, you know, uh, because in the reality, tour in 2004, he did have a heart attack. And, uh, and obviously, that would have affected things at the time. But if he wanted to, he still could have uh, performed mm. twice a year or done something, except you heard nothing from him at all. But that was, I thought, was really quite a lovely thing to say that, you know, that's the yeah. role that's the David Bowie, uh, uh, that's his, that's his immersion yeah. now, you know. So, um, and there's very little of that shown, wasn't there? Not no. Not a lot of the family no. stuff. But again,
0: that's... Choice, isn't
1: it? Opening up the person. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I've heard it's amazing to watch in IMAX. Uh, I don't think where we are at God-
0: we don't, we don't have IMAX in Perth IMAX anymore, do we? Release. No. Um, do we sell have IMAX? No, I don't think so. Yeah, that's what I'm yeah. thinking. Now we, we saw a pretty big screen, didn't we, Rolly? That yeah, so. yeah. yeah, the, yeah. I'm,
2: I'm not sure they've they've still got a
0: something in that City West, but maybe
2: it's not an IMAX screen. Yeah, I'm not sure. No.
0: Yeah, but I mean, it looked it, this was it, it really it was immersive, wasn't it? I mean, it was yeah. the the stuff they did with sound and vision, the the blobs on screen, that was. That was really very amazing. nice. That yeah. was some very nice graphic it design was very nice, by someone. Wasn't? Yeah. But uh, I still I still can't get over the fact that I was waiting for it to end and that that usually isn't a good mm, that's sign. It's like
2: most films for me though. For you, I'm yeah. Used, for I'm used you. to that.
0: <laughs> the, yeah, sure. Okay. It doesn't happen to me often, so, unless yeah. it's, you know, not not catching me. So mm. but yeah, I reckon Bob, what you said earlier, like maybe calling it a documentary is probably the wrong label for it. I'd say. Yeah, Yeah,
1: I think this documentary comes charged with a certain um, amount of expectation of finite information being delivered um, by, also by uh, various talking heads. Mm. And this is probably the first rock documentary that Bonner has not been in. (laughs) Oh. Um,
0: (laughs) Right. I
2: knew there was something missing.
1: (laughs) However... Bono was one of the first people to see it, according to the, the director. He oh. uh, just finished it and someone said, oh, if you want to, you know, Bono's in town, if you want to show him, and, and, and he did. Right. So he's, he's oh, either in the movie, he's the first one to see them.
2: <laughs> you never got to interview Bono, uh, Bob, or did you have any impressions of Bono? Just for a... No,
1: I, I, did meet, I did meet him once and I lent him a pen.
0: Oh, oh. nice. Did he, keep, did he keep the pen? <laughs> He did? I've never got it oh. yeah.
2: <laughs> Okay. Well, that says something, doesn't it?
0: <laughs> yeah, nice. Cool. Alright, I reckon we can probably um, just about wrap that up there, guys. Well, Bob, once more, thank you very much for joining us tonight.
1: Well, that's great. Thank you.
0: See you then, guys. Bye. 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 I'm an alligator. I'm a mama papa coming for you. I'm a space invader. I'll be a rock and roll bitch for you your mouth shut to smoke a lot of-